If you brought along a copy of the Bible, uh, turn to our New Testament passage, the scripture that Barbara read to us, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. And while you're finding that, let me remind you of some ancient history. In May of 2020, we started going through the book of James. And um, the original plan was over the summer of 2020 to finish it. But as you know, the best laid plans of mice and men and plans set during the pandemic often go awry. So we were only able to get through chapter one that first summer. And uh, we've been coming back to it in bits and pieces between then. And um, we were able to go through chapter two in November and then chapter three in January and chapter four in February. And we did the first half of chapter five at the beginning of this summer. And then this week and next week, We'll finish James, and the Lord willing. And so uh, this morning, our passage, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, is focused on prayer. Listen again to the very first verse of it. Verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray, period. Why? Why does James get to the end of this book why does he say, if you're suffering, pray? To put it quite simply, because God acts differently when we pray than when we don't pray. And that's always got to be the fundamental reason for prayer. That God acts differently if we pray than if we don't pray. And so... Because that's the belief that James holds. That's the belief he learned from Jesus Christ. So in James's mind, if that's true, when you're suffering, get God in on it. Like, pray. Because prayer works. Now, let's be honest. That's super simplistic, right? And prayer is actually quite difficult for many people. And it always has been. The truth is... Prayer has always been a difficult thing for lots of people. And across the centuries and in different millennia, there, there have been different reasons at different times and in different cultures why prayer is difficult. So I want us to look at this passage and think about our own experiences with prayer and I want us to think about why for so many people today, prayer is difficult. One of the things that makes, makes it difficult for people today, for many of us, to pray is that we live in a world where we have been taught and educated to struggle with really believing that stuff we can't see and we can't measure and we can't touch really matters. So praying looks in our anti-superstitious world, the world that we live in and embody and go about doing all of the things we do, prayer looks oftentimes like this odd act of superstition. Or worse, self-deception. 
it can seem like we're just talking to ourselves and thinking things will change. Now, like I said earlier, prayer has always been difficult, but it's difficult for different reasons in different centuries and in different cultures. And a fundamental difficulty with prayer today is that we live in this world that has a view. Secularism is a religion, just like Hinduism, just like Islam, just like Christianity. We live in a very religious nation, and the primary religion of our nation is a particular view of the world called secularism. And you're just as much a part of it as if you were raised in a deeply Muslim culture, you would be learning a Muslim view of the world. So when people meet one another on the street, if they ever get around to the topic of religion, one of the things that happens in our world is people think of Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, these things as religion. Oh, not me. I'm not religious. I'm secular. But secularism is just as much a religion. It has a view of the world. It has an explanation for things. And we're all a part of it. We're living in it. We're moving in it. And it's a part of us. And at its heart, one of the things it does is it makes it very difficult to believe that there, there's this other dimension that intersects with ours and overlaps with ours. Christianity teaches that there is not just some vague thing out there that there is someone out there. There is God. And we know this God in Jesus Christ. And prayer is not just calling into the dark to some distant place, to some unknown force or power. Here in James chapter 5, verse 13, is anyone among you sick? Let him pray because God is near to those who draw near to him. Because God really does exist. Because there is this other dimension that we can't measure in our test tubes. That it's, that it's a thing we can't see just like five or six hundred years ago. They could not have seen the microscopic coronavirus particles. We can see them now through electron microscopes. And so we're accustomed to, to knowing something is there that centuries ago they wouldn't have been able to see. And in, our, and in the long winter of secularism, we've lost our sight when it comes to this other dimension. Heaven and earth meet. And this is the key. The reason prayer works is because when, when a Christian prays, when someone calls on the name of the Lord, these two dimensions, God's dimension and our dimension, come together. The person praying stands with one foot in the place of trouble and sickness and sin and the other foot in the place of healing and forgiveness and hope. And prayer brings heaven and earth together. Remember the prayer Jesus gave us. Remember the first line of it. Our Father who is in heaven. Not another place, but this other dimension. Heaven, God's dimension. Earth, our dimension. Two dimensions, but the same reality. And for us modern people raised in a secular world, it is hard to understand this mystery. And the reason it's hard is because our imaginations have been shrunken. We can imagine the coronavirus particles, but we cannot imagine God. 
and heaven and angels and this other dimension. It's hard for us to stretch our mind there, to imagine what that is. Our culture has a rich imagination for so many things. But when it comes to God's dimension, our imaginations are starved. What what has brought about so much knowledge of the universe, the modern world? What, What has enabled the modern world to see and do and imagine so many things, but it has simultaneously become impoverished in the very imagination it takes for us to actually engage deeply with prayer. In in so many ways, our world is enlightened. But in this way, our world is in the dark ages. We're in the dark when it comes to God's dimension. We've grown ignorant of the spiritual dimension and mysteriously how it intersects with parts of the world. Now, once we've recovered an imagination, once the lesson has been learned that in prayer, a Christian stands at the intersection of heaven and earth, then it can become easier to make sense of why here in James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18, prayer is always the right response to whatever you're going through. Right? In verse 13, you're suffering, pray. In the second half of verse 13, you're encouraged, pray. In verse 14, you're sick, pray. In verse 16, you're guilty of sin, pray. Because underneath it all is this fundamental view of the world that in prayer, you have one foot on the earth and one foot in heaven, and you're bringing the two together. And that's what we need when we're suffering. That's where we should turn when we're encouraged. That's what we need when we're sick. That's what we need when we're burdened down by guilt. So whatever you're going through, prayer is always the right response. Prayer brings heaven to earth. When we pray, God acts differently than when we don't pray. But there's a trick here. Because prayer doesn't always bring heaven to earth. Prayer doesn't always work. Some of you in this room, either you or people you know, have had a Christian faith crushed out of you by this whole business of prayer. You've prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing happened. And it can destroy a faith when that occurs. Why is it that if prayer is this thing I've just spent a few minutes describing, then how do we account for the fact that sometimes it doesn't work? When we've been told to pray and we give it a try, and nothing happens. It seems like this whole Christian belief about God and what we all believe in or say we believe in really amounts to some big fancy ball of nothing. Now, Why does that happen? Why is it that some people pray and things happen and some people pray and things don't happen or some person prays one time and it works and another time It doesn't work, and you begin to think, well, maybe that first was just a coincidence. Well, let's again look at James chapter 5. Notice verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. 
And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Now, in these few verses, we see several reasons why sometimes prayer doesn't work. Let's look at them. First of all, notice in verse 15, it says the prayer of faith will save the sick person. So sometimes when we pray, maybe sometimes the reason our prayer is not working and affecting anything is maybe because we don't have faith. Back in James chapter 1, verse 5. We're told, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. So here's a moment where you can pray, and God won't act differently. And what's the issue? The issue is faith. And when James talks about faith, it's very simple. What James means is trusting in Jesus. And so what makes our faith strong in the book of James is not its amount. And it's not its intensity. What makes our faith strong is not that we've got to work ourselves up into a state of absolute confidence. What makes faith strong in the Bible, in the book of James, is its object. The one in whom our faith is placed. And if we forget this, we end up trusting in our faith and wondering if we have enough of it. As if faith is the thing we have to have faith in. The idea that you have to have enough faith in order to get an answer to your prayer is a dark alley. To sit back and say, I must not have enough faith. Maybe that's why so-and-so got healed. Or this person's father didn't die when we prayed for them. And this person's father did die. Well, we must not have had enough faith. That's a dark alley. Here's the, the whole issue of faith in James is not about lots of faith versus little faith. The opposite of praying in faith in the book of James is not big versus little faith. It's single-minded versus double-minded. That's what we hear in James 1, 6 through 8. This man is double-minded. That's the very first thing James teaches about prayer in his letter. He teaches about prayer all the way through. We're just today catching the end of it. But the first thing he talked about was a key issue is faith versus double-minded. And when James is talking about being double-minded, he's talking about having split loyalties. He's talking about the person who's two-faced with God. You have one foot in God's kingdom and one foot in the world. You don't believe that God's ways will necessarily and always be the best. You're trying to live in more than one direction at once. Christianity is pulling you one way, and the world is pulling you another way, and you want to go both ways. In the book of James, when he uses the word doubt, he's not talking about having questions. Is it true or not? He's not talking about the thing we typically mean by doubt. 
He's not talking about struggling to understand God or his ways or wrestling with parts of the Bible. When he's using doubt, he's using it the way a husband and wife that are moving away from one another and begin to doubt one another. He's talking about doubt in the context of loyalty, of a relationship, not in the context of science. And do you doubt that evidence means that or not? Now, we don't have time to deal with that really important issue about our doubts and the way we struggle with believing in God or not. What we need to see is that that kind of doubt is not the opposite of faith. It's the natural companion to faith. For James, he's using the word doubt to talk about loyalty and disloyalty, commitment and lack of commitment. He's talking about having a split allegiance, being the kind of person who does not love God wholeheartedly. And if that's the case for you, that way of living, he says in James chapter 1, verse 8, should make you think that you have no reason to expect God to answer your prayers because you are unstable. Faith is about trust. It means you trust God and you let trust shape your entire relationship with God. So maybe for some of you, there have been times when you pray and nothing happens. And maybe this is not all of it, but maybe the reason could be because at the end of the day, you're double-minded. You say you believe in God, but you don't live like it. You have divided loyalties to God and to the world, to the faith, but your trust in God is half-hearted. Now, that's one reason that James in his letter says prayer might not be working. It's not always that. It's not only that. He gives another reason here. Look in James chapter 5, verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. So here again, he qualifies prayer. Right? He qualifies it before you go running too far with it. And he says, it's the righteous person's prayer that has all this power. Remember our Old Testament passage that Bob read to us. Some of you didn't hear it because it happened so fast. It was one verse, right? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he, and you would expect the parallel to be he's near to the righteous, but that's not the parallel. The parallel is, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. See, see. Prayer is the relationship of heaven and earth. It's bringing heaven to earth. It's God. God is far from the wicked, but heaven and earth come together. God hears the prayer of the righteous. Now, in James, when, he, when he's talking about the prayer of a righteous person has great power, he, he means very simply a person whose behavior conforms to the will of God. To what the Bible teaches us, God wants, what God expects. You delight in God's will and you walk in his ways. The will of God and the ways are God, of God are what we learn from Scripture. That's what it means to be a righteous person. You're fighting against temptation. You're fighting against sin. And you're living within the boundaries that God reveals to us in Scripture. It's not about being perfect. Again, just think about the relationship between friends. You don't have to be the perfect friends, but there are boundaries. And are you going to live in those boundaries? That's what a righteous friend is. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22 says, Whatever we ask, we receive from God because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. 
So sometimes praying doesn't work because we have divided loyalties. Sometimes praying doesn't work because we're not living a righteous life. There's one more reason in this part of James that he brings up. And I'm just sticking with this passage. There's lots of other reasons. There's this deep mystery to prayer. But he does give us three reasons here when prayer doesn't work to kind of look at our own lives and see if that's going on with us. The third reason is more difficult to see than the first two. The first two about faith and righteousness, they're right there on the surface. The third reason why sometimes we can pray and nothing happens is in verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We're told to pray in the name of the Lord. Now, what is that? What it is, it's about recognizing that prayer is not magic. And it's not like putting a coin into some little carnival machine and cranking the handle to get the prize. Praying in the name of the Lord is about learning to have a true conversation with Jesus Christ. The name of the Lord is Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 13, Jesus said, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, and, and the Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John chapter 15, verse 16, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. To pray in Jesus' name is to learn that prayer is a true dialogue. It's a dialogue in an intimate relationship between you and Jesus. Prayer is a part of a relationship. It's a conversation. In the name of Jesus is, is the opposite of prayer is this magical talisman. You just say the right words and launch them into the universe and the laws of the universe are kind of kicked into gear. Praying in the name of Jesus is the opposite of some mechanical view that there is this God, and if I say it right and do it right, then he automatically gives back to me. To pray in Jesus' name is to learn that it's a dialogue. Prayer does not work when we treat it like some kind of mechanical thing to check off, some mechanical cause and effect. Prayer is not a technology. It's not like a light switch. Just do this thing, say these words, throw them out into the ether, and bam, the answer is given back to you. No, and this is so important, and it brings us to one of the reasons. I, I think the second fundamental reasons prayer is difficult in our age, the first is we struggle with the supernatural dimension. The second fundamental reason prayer is difficult in our age is because real prayer happens when you entrust your will and your heart and your desires to God. And that means relinquish control. And here again, we're at the heart of the modern world. Not only is there an anti-supernatural bias that we have been swimming in and it's in us, but also there's an absolute control freak nature to our modern world. Our modern world only kind of radically needs God in the trenches. But you can go through so many minutes and hours and days and weeks without calling on God.
and you can win. You can master. You can take control and seize and conquer and be victorious. Real praying happens when you don't do that. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It means you rely on God to exert control, and you recognize deep down in your bones you are not in control of that person you're praying for. You're not in control of that relationship. You're, you turn to God ready to receive what you cannot affect and achieve. In praying for others, we must, on the one hand, this is an irony, on the one hand, we've got to feel so responsible and so burdened for them that we come to God. But to pray in the name of Jesus means when we get there, we don't control them. We relinquish that control. We relinquish even the illusion that we had some control over to God. We have to recognize the limits of what we cannot do for that person. To renounce our attempts to master the situation. We have to entrust that person or that situation to God and give up trying to control it. Give it to God. Praying in the name of Jesus is about renouncing our attempts to control situations and people and wholeheartedly leaning in trust on Jesus, entering into a relationship, a dialogue, a conversation with a real being and learning to do this, learning to pray with this kind of faith and this kind of righteousness and this kind of wholehearted trust in Jesus Christ becomes so liberating and so empowering because we increasingly discover that we don't possess power over anything. That every person and every event is given and we receive people in grace. So there's three reasons that James shows us about why sometimes when we pray, nothing happens. Maybe we're double-minded in our relationship to God. Or maybe we're not living a righteous life. Or maybe we're not really entering into an intimate conversation and trusting Jesus. But let's be careful. There's mystery here. This isn't a comprehensive analysis. When you think you've got it sorted out, you know, and oh, well, it must be, that's a tricky thing. The prayer of faith in the name of Jesus from a righteous person is powerful, but it is not mechanical. It is not a formula. Sometimes you've got all the right things going for you, and God still seems silent. And yet, at the end of the day, God is telling us in James 5, verse 13 to 18, at all times... Learn to pray. You're sick? Pray. You're suffering? Pray. You're encouraged? Pray. You've got sin? Pray. Many of us don't pray. Fundamentally, I'm convinced, because we don't really believe God will act differently. And if you really believe that, you pray more. When you get into some weird psychological space and you think that prayer is more about what happens in you than what happens in the, about the thing you're praying about, that will dry up your prayer life. Deep down, I think that we don't think prayer will change anything. And so prayer just becomes this token, this gesture, a way of checking in with God without expecting anything to happen. And yes... There's a mystery to prayer. It is one of the most mysterious things we do. And yet, despite all of its complexity, there's also a simplicity. We pray because God acts differently when we do. 
than when we don't. Prayer makes a difference. It's real. Things happen. How foolish we are to not pray more. Every Christian has the privilege and the right to pray. But in this passage, we also have the responsibility. This passage is about praying for each other. And if I can help you, if there's a way I can help you in your burdens, in your sufferings, in your joys, and I don't do it, how, how foolish we are not to pray. It is not only a privilege and a right. It is a responsibility. Every Christian has the responsibility. We are to pray for one another, pray for the sick, pray for the sinners, pray for the nation, pray for the world. If, any of, if we would devote 15 minutes, 30 minutes a day to prayer, if it works, can you imagine the incalculable difference in our city? In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.